Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. Barely awake, but uh, feeling very good on a Monday morning. My name is Joe Kuzma, and I think, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I think he's feeling pretty much the same way. Joining me today, as per the usual, my cohort, my colleague, my partner in crime, almost, you're almost brother from another mother status. <laughs> a one, Zach Celedonia. Zach, I just don't want to steal all of Brian's taglines there, but uh, it's good to have you. And are we at the point of the season where we say people say to people, we told you so? How's it going, man? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a uh, brother from another mother. Maybe we're like second cousins twice removed at this point, which is which is cool because a uh, little tidbit, like not that. many people know this, but Christian Ponder is actually uh, like third cousins with me or something along the lines of that. So wish he uh, had a little bit better luck with his NFL career, but cool fun fact, um, third cousins with a former starting NFL quarterback, first round pick. Also number seven, which, you know, that stuff's kind of weird. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I think we are about to that point. You know, I'm always ready to tell the people a, a good old fashioned, I told you so. But as of late, I really haven't had to say a whole lot of anything because Kenny Pickett's doing all the talking with his Hell play on yeah. the field. Hell yeah, man. Um, we got to actually, we, we have for i'd say the first time ever we're a little more prepared than usual even though we're probably up a uh, ridiculous amount of time from the night before and we have dun, 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 some actual topics to talk about today <laughs> yeah i'll figure out a way to get this on every screen here but ding, uh, ding. sparkle sparkle yes yes um you know what that's like one of the things we make fun of um when i was uh working in marketing was how people would overuse like the starbursts and the ribbons and like uh oh man the, the worst slideshow. what's that like the microsoft slideshow Oh, dude, like, yeah, like like those transitions, but like just the clip art stuff. And, you know, there's certain things that don't you don't need to preclude with made in the USA. You know what I mean? If you're down the street and, you know, BFE, Pennsylvania or Ohio, pretty good chances are that it's made right there. <laughs> but the American <laughs> flag's going to be on display. One of the worst corporate uh, this is a derailment here, but one of the worst corporate logos I ever saw I and mean, couldn't talk this company out of not using it was they had it all man the grandkids the pets and everything and their logo was like the state of ohio with an american flag transposed with, with like a cat and a dog and then like their initials but the the initials like acronym type thing not like seu it was like s period c period u period i'm like what is this hot garbage which that There's was too fun. much going on in the in the in the soup yeah 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 i mean if you're like you're you're like joe's plumbing or something and that's just on the side of your van that's like one thing but like when you're selling something like nationally like nobody really cares that you're in ohio or whatever it's like uh i don't want to give away who it was so i will say no further but yeah uh maybe some actual topics and we were saying we told you so on some of this has Kenny Pickett arrived. We thought he arrived before. Um, I got to go through what myself and Brian even did 
in the offseason, but this is where we said the Steelers might be. Nine or ten win team and maybe in the mix for a playoff spot and maybe would have been in the mix for the division lead, had a game or two went differently, particularly the first Baltimore Ravens game. So none of this has come to a surprise to any of us here within the confines, I guess we'd say, of the SCO's, SCU studios or studio. But to everyone else, man, you're starting to see, ah, like the light bulbs come, you know, they're popping, man. They're, they're on the head and they're popping. And well, rather a- than be like that, then resistant <laughs> to, the, to the fact of what's happening around them, you know, because there are still some people like that that are holding on with both hands for Kenny Pickett to be bad. And he's just not, you know, it's, it's pretty clear to see that he's developing at a rate that, you know, albeit at times you wish was faster, but it's definitely more than acceptable. The pace at which he's developing, uh, he's coming through in big moments. Um, and it's not always the prettiest for Kenny, but he gets it done. The kid just gets it done. He's a winner. He's a gamer. Um, I think Tomlin said it perfectly, and I'll, I'll I'll probably butcher this, but he said something along the lines of, you know, he he's a gamer. He's not afraid of the of the moment. He doesn't run away for, from it. He runs towards it. Like it's almost like it's not almost like it is like whenever the lights are the brightest and whenever the moment is at its most important and the game is at its most intense point. That's when Kenny Pickett plays his best. And beyond anything else, uh, touchdowns, interceptions, QBR which he has been improving in anyway, above all else, that's what you need in a quarterback, in particular a franchise quarterback, is that ability to play your best when your team needs you to play the best. And these past two games, <laughs> they've been boring games. You know, he hasn't played particularly bad, I would say. Um, it, it's debatable, I guess, the past game, because some people thought it was a, a very poor performance against um, the Raiders, whereas I... I I really didn't. I thought he had a couple misfires. I thought he played rather fine, but then he comes through and closes the game out in a big way, a career defining way. And fast forward to this week versus the Ravens. And he does it again. I felt like the game was pretty boring from a aerial assault standpoint. You know, we really didn't do much on offense through the air outside of a couple good, good throwing catches between um, Pickens had a nice grab Deontay Fryer. I mean, they were involved, but not as much as you would, hope to see but it is Steelers Ravens and I think that needs to be considered and and talked about when you're discussing the flow of this game is uh, you shouldn't have expected really Kenny to throw for three touchdowns 400 yards and and win in a blowout type fashion um the the air game was pretty boring on both sides except for freaking Mark Andrews of course who I was playing against in fantasy and decided that he's the only guy that Tyler Huntley looked at all game (laughs) and we couldn't cover him man we should have triple covered him by the second quarter, but that's a, I'm, I'm getting off the rails. Now the point is Kenny Pickett, he is showing up in the big moments. He's playing well when we need him to the most he's improving. And, um, I got a stat for you, a real quick stat. This is fun. I have no idea what XQR means, but it's a real stat. It's one of those next-gen stats, and context <laughs> clues lead me to believe. Uh, it's a real stat. Con- I have no idea what it is, but it's real. It's real. It's real, okay? And I'll tell you why it's real, okay? So XQR, This it says, while trailing by one score in the fourth quarter, the best quarterback rating or best XQR is Mahomes with 95.1. Number three, we'll skip number two for now. We'll go back to number two in a minute. Uh, number three 
is Joe Burrow with 92.9. Now, number two is Kenny Pickett with 93.7. So he's in a top three list that is associated with the fourth quarter and being down by a score with Mahomes and Joe Burrow. I no clue what XQR is, but context clues tell me enough that that means he's got ice. Um, I think I think it stands for cube because that's what uh, Mike Tomlin said he loves he loves his cube. We know we know we're our cube is capable of doing and uh, uh, like uh, dude don't say cube it sounds too much like pube and we just got through <laughs> I don't know if you listen to me and Brian Brian didn't like the fact that I called the period between Christmas and New Year's the taint. Uh, <laughs> so it's like that is a tough word, man. That's like worse. Moist it doesn't really bother me personally, <laughs> but taint's kind of a that that's that's stretching it a bit with the uh, the old comfortability meter. You know, you don't want to stretch the taint, my friend, and <laughs> that could lead to some bad things. Uh, yeah, no, there's a there's a little bit more on the uh, Kenny Kenny Pickett train here. This comes from NFL Rookie Watch on Twitter compiled this one, although I could have. I was just too lazy. Uh, Kenny Pickett, <laughs> last four full games, important full games, 77 of 122. So uh, that is good for, I don't know, because I did the math wrong. Um, like 60% on the nose? Yeah, 63. 63.1. So right. uh, there we go. 783 yards, three total touchdowns, and 4-0. and oh. And the Steelers, man, it's rough. Um, I made these comments how many, many, many times about playing the Ravens with backup quarterbacks. You go all the way back to like Byron Leftwich, I think 2012 or something like that. Charlie Batch, um, you know, in that era, t- 2013. And uh, maybe I have those flipped. Michael Vick at home when he, the guy couldn't hit the broadside of, of a barn uh, with Antonio, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, a huge drop too. Yeah. They say the ball comes off Vic's hands different because he's a lefty. I'll never forget that because you know Antonio Brown would never drop the ball, but he he had a he had a drop in the end zone, and they, people said afterwards, well, it's because the ball like spins different off a lefty's hands. So, it was okay. it was so miserable. I mean, at least Landry Jones was able to find Antonio Brown, but when you have like who's arguably at the time the greatest wide receiver in the game or the best, yeah. at least it's like it'd be like having Justin Jefferson and not being able to get anything done. Oh wait, that was another game this weekend. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of, I know this will sound like sacrilege. I played Fields last week instead of Burrow. I lost by three points and wasn't in my other title game. And the SCU one, it looks like I'm going to end up winning. I would have actually won my other league, too. Three points. Come on, Justin Fields. You could have got that with your feet, at least. And then, uh, Oh, man, dude. I, Mike, I know, Mike dude. Evans. That, that, <laughs> my weekend was almost ruined because of fantasy football. It still might be. And I'm starting to understand the people that have said, I've heard over the years, people like, you go through phases of fantasy football and sometimes you even quit for like a year or two because you're like, this is just, I, I don't understand how all year this team does well or all year this this guy's clicking on all cylinders and it takes one game. I mean, Jared Stidham, dude, throwing for like 400 yards. Uh, I you almost... know the defense? Me, of course. Oh, I almost set Devontae Adams too. I did sit Josh Jacobs, which didn't really burn too much, but I just, I'm like, they're not going to be able to move the football. Like that's, that's it just, it was just a lot of ridiculousness going on. That particular game had the most of it between Purdy and Stidham. Like what? And it's worse than gambling. It's worse than gambling. Yeah. I mean, some, fantasy football kind of is a sub subcategory of that. If you're, if you're playing for money, but it's like, it's, it's almost worse than gambling. Cause gambling is usually, unless you have a futures bet going on, it's just a one week, one game thing fantasy when you like are disappointed in that fashion it's like 
it's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, this is the first but, thing I thought this morning when I woke up. Yeah, but you know, no, you didn't. You felt you were still flying high on the cloud nine that we're on from beating the Thank Ravens God with the game winning yeah, drive. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, who knows? I was so. Hey, you ever been so nervous? Like we talked about games being boring, like the Panthers yeah. game, but this game, this game was not boring. This game had you don't me on think so? pins and needles, man. Oh yeah. I mean, low scoring, like, it, but that's what you expect. But I was on pins and needles the entire time. I was nervous. I'm like, oh, you know what? I, 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 hopefully, the young guy uh, gets it done, doesn't make any mistakes or anything like that. So, uh, on the topic still of of Kenny uh, the goat, uh, let's take a look at some of his numbers here. I think I have it. Uh, do I have it large enough on screen? Maybe that some people could see it. But I I I sorted these games by yards. 316 yards, 231, 221, 221, and then everything else is under like 200. Oh, just kidding. These were Ben Roethlisberger's rookie numbers. My bad. Uh, I always have to bring that up where he has like a couple of touchdowns here or there and took some sacks and some sub 60% completion games. He had a lot of them actually as a rookie, um, a handful, 60 or lower, four of them there. So actually Kenny's numbers, uh, I'll pull Kenny's numbers up here. Uh, pretty comparable. He still had a 300-some yard game. That was against Buffalo, his first full start. Um, no multiple touchdown pass games just yet, and he's still getting uh, above the 60% completion here or there. There we go. Four, just about the same categories, right? A lot of a lot of similarities there, Zach. A lot of similarities. I, you got to remember, though, Kenny is Kenny and Ben is Ben. And ben, ben is Ben. Benny is Benny. And Kenny is Kenny, Kenneth Shane comeback picket, but two game winning drives back to back weeks. The Steelers are still alive. They're still in. They're still in this chase. They're still in the race, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I'm glad you pointed out that yeah. uh, Kenny is Kenny and Ben is Ben or Benny is Benny because that's important to remember too. Is a lot of people will hear like. Because it's 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 common to see this time of year, especially on Twitter and other social media sites, that people try to point out, and rightfully so, that most, not all, but most good first-round quarterbacks struggle their first year. They, they do enough that gets you encouraged. They win some games. They have some good plays, a couple bad plays, a lot of bad plays. But there's a reason why we bring up these these stats of guys like most recently Trevor Lawrence, who, who like there were people who thought he might have already been the bad pick of, of, of that yeah, draft. What, Not I, me, but no. you know, Trevor Trevor Lawrence struggled. Obviously, Josh Allen gets thrown around a lot, but he struggled mightily. Uh Lamar Jackson's numbers weren't that great. Ben himself, Peyton Manning, that one's obvious. That's a throwback. But a lot of these first round quarterbacks, you know, it, it's very common for them to have not the sexiest stat sheet at the end of the year. What in what matters is the intangibles and the X factor moments and the the progression that you see throughout the year. If there's if they give you reason to believe that they can be something going forward, which Kenny is doing, like these other guys did, that that is something you can cling on to and, and hope for for next year. You know, it isn't just about we're saying he's going to be Ben, we're saying he's going to be Josh Allen. We're not. It's just simple facts to point out that a lot of these guys who end up being great, Joe Burrow, they struggle as rookies. They get some things done, and they show you glimpses of what they can be to get the fan base excited, but they they aren't going to the Super Bowl. They aren't going to the Pro Bowl. If they do, it's a complete technicality like Mac freaking Jones. Like it, it's, it's 
rare for a quarterback to come in in his first year, no matter who he is, and, and, and just be the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You had to bring up Mac Jones. <laughs> so Steelers, uh, they got to hope the Jets could win in Miami, and the Jets don't really have anything to play for other than to be spoiler. And they probably neither does Miami though. They're out, right? Uh, no, Miami, Miami's still kind of in this thing. So uh, uh, Steelers need Miami to lose and the Pats to lose, and of course we have a big Monday Night Football game with the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals that are coming. That's coming up. And perhaps if Buffalo doesn't win this one, maybe they start sitting some starters and stuff uh, because they won't be able to get, obtain the one seed or the buy. So you're you're hoping all these things fall into place. But stranger things have happened. Jaguars didn't have anything to play for last year either. Uh, exactly. I, I, ha I have to um, mention here, though, even though we're saying Kenny has arrived, have we forgotten about Najee Harris? And uh, what a monster! Such a beast, dude. What such a, beast. a monster game by Najee Harris and Jalen Warren yesterday. They racked up some stats that were just uncanny against what the third-ranked Baltimore Ravens run defense. And dude, no, I lost track. Like I, I remember, it was the third quarter or something, and Collinsworth or whoever mentions the amount of yards we have so far, and I'm like, that's this game. <laughs> that's tonight. <laughs> it was like something around 160 between Najee and Jalen Warren. And I was like, Oh wow. They're really going off. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are. And, uh, let's see. Um, Tony Dungy had a pretty, pretty solid tweet out here in Twitter land too, that I'll bring up. And in fact, Tony Dungy, of course, picked Steelers to win in the pregame. So did a lot of people. Uh, I was kind of surprised the Sunday night football people, there were a few that just said they were going against the chalk, so they didn't want to go with it and they were trying to get their little they were trying to get their win, their little feather in their cap. Oh, their but, show, like their individual show records they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think they went contrarian just for that uh purpose. So uh let's see. This was actually a subtweet. So let's start with we said on our Sunday night uh football NBC pregame show that Mike Tomlin had the Steelers practice in full pads on Friday to emphasize fundamentals and technique. It paid off. Their run game was more effective than the Raiders tonight, and that was the difference. Then he says in week 14, the Ravens outgained the Steelers on the ground, 215 yards to 65. Last night, the Steelers turned it around, gaining um, 198 to 120. Emphasis and practice was on being physical, and the Steelers kept their playoff hopes alive. They also have to be thrilled with clutch Kenny Pickett. I think that's a nickname that could uh, could stick. I don't want to put too much on the young man just yet. Kenny Clutch. Kenny Clutch. Kenneth Kenneth Shane. I, I, I like saying that. It makes him like a stone cold killer, man. Uh, he, he can't <laughs> break the glass. Play Steve Austin's music. He's gonna just come out there like Vince Williams at training camp a few seasons ago. Can't change, bring the pain. Yeah, there you go, man. Um, the 100, uh, courtesy of Michael Birch, Steelers PR Mike, 198 rushing yards as a team are the most, the most in a single game versus Baltimore since week six, 1997. So in yeah, this series, yeah, pretty much you got to go all the way back to the Ravens just moving from Cleveland almost 198 yards. And there, there's some more somewhere if I happen to cherry pick them as, as I'm looking around. Um, 
Prior to the season, no team had rebounded from two and eight to eight and eight since the Steelers in 2013. However, the Steelers, the Lions, and the Jags have all done it this season. How about that? Everyone was writing this team off at the bye. We weren't writing this team off at the bye. So that begs the question, Zach. And when we start talk, talking about um, Mike Tomlin and the job that he has done as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, this could be one of his finest jobs of all time. And now people are starting to give him credit for it. And you look at all the turmoil he had with not having TJ Watt as defensive player of the year, some other injuries, the quarterback position, back and forth, Trubisky to a rookie and Kenny Pickett. And now look at what they're still in the conversation the last week of the season. I mean, hats off. I think Ryan Clark went out there and said something. Can, can y'all stop talking about firing Mike Tomlin or something like that? He tweeted out last night right after the game. And I'm like, hallelujah, but you're preaching to the choir, man. There's still some folks out there. They're going to be, they're going to want to see and revel in the Browns beating the Steelers at home and Mike Tomlin having his first losing season. It's just not going to happen. I just don't, I don't see it happening. What's I saw Deshaun Watson throw a pass to Jack Conklin in an eligible receiver tackle, a tackle. Like this guy's been in the league for how many years? And he was running for his life in a crappy, I mean, Washington's front uh, defensive fronts, no joke, mind you, but geez, Carson Wentz, there's a guy I don't ever want to see anywhere near a Steelers roster. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I said what I said about Mitch Trubisky, but Carson Wentz, boy, did they really, they shat the bed over there in Washington against the Browns also. But there's too many people that revel in this. Mike Tomlin, once again, getting it done in the playoff conversation like he always is. They're either the last team in or the last team uh, looking from the outside, looking in, just missing the cusp. And they're going to be in that position once again as they head into this weekend. And hopefully some of the dominoes fall as they may. Hopefully Buffalo still has something to play for and just doesn't let New England skate in. And uh, there's some pride things. These are divisional games that are coming up. So everybody's playing somebody within their own division. I think Mike Tomlin, um, a, a lot of you out there, had a lot of nasty things to say about coach and I think it's time to start sending some apology letters some apology notes maybe a bouquet of flowers about the way that this uh season has been handled a lot of his former players uh do that they love to come out when uh this cards are getting stacked against Tomlin and sing his praises and you understand why because that's what everybody always says about him you know players coaches players love him and a lot of his Criticism and a lot of his uh, naysayers are in-house from his own fan base. You know, when I say in-house, I mean the Steeler fan base, not the Steeler organization. And albeit, uh, I have said myself that there were times this year where, uh, and there are times every year where Tomlin makes mistakes and there are reasons to yell at him on your television screen. And there's, there's definitely times where it's appropriate and I can reason with people that get annoyed with certain things that Tomlin does, whether it's in-game decisions, uh, mistakes he'll make with the clock, certain decisions with player personnel, changing things, not changing things. He's a flawed man, but every NFL coach is flawed. Every good NFL coach is flawed. So you take the good with the bad with Tomlin because when you stick with them, this is the result. We're, we're watching meaningful football with a week left to play, with the horrendous start that we had. You know, I, I think that Tomlin and company 
fumbled the quarterback situation. I think it was stupid to assume that Mitch was just going to have the job all year and not really give Kenny hardly any number one reps in training camp and in the preseason. And as a result, it was a slow start for Kenny Pickett in this offense when he finally got his opportunity. It it came in with the spark, and then it got a little stale, and now he's back to where, right now, what we're seeing from Kenny Pickett these last four games, this is where we should have been on track for about midseason if they had made the right call and just given Kenny a real opportunity in the quarterback competition and given him real number one reps and started him right away. Instead, they went with Mitch, pitter-pattered, uh, beat around the bush, beat around the Mitch, and as a result, the offense had a slower start, and we're here now. So that that's a mistake that Tomlin and company made, but he righted the ship, and you can see how the Steelers want to play for him every time whenever there's a game like this with the post-game uh, videos and everyone dancing. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to pull it right up right now. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's play it, man. I, I had it. I don't have uh, – I might not have the full audio. That's okay. You can imagine that. what the song is to take over your trap, walk in your trap. Look at that. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> That's just great, man. Uh, except it's like mirrored or flipped or whatever. But um, yeah, absolutely. And what are I saying? Um, the the old heads. I heard Chris Collinsworth use that word yesterday. Actually, the old heads would be very upset over that. But you've got you got to give credit where it's due for for Coach Tomlin. And I saw the thing uh, on on Twitter today. He's coached 256 games and counting. There's been a t there's been one game in those 256 games under Tomlin where the Steelers were playing a game in which we weren't in playoff contention or fighting for a playoff spot or alive. One game in those 256 games. Yeah. Um, speaking of, and we'll get to the defense. T.J. Watt said, "How about them effing Steelers?" And he. he he said the actual word that you uh, usually say. <laughs> Where? When did he say that? Uh, somebody got him. Uh, one of the DK uh, Sports Pittsburgh guys. Uh, one of DJ's. Was he in the locker room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was out in the tunnel or something like that. Walked by. How about the? How about those uh, freaking Steelers? So. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I still love hearing TJ get out of his shell. I'm surprised he even knew what that word was. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Najee, his first 100-yard game of the season, people were talking about that's maybe the most dominant that they've ever seen him to. You that's give... what Collinsworth said. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and that was the, probably the toughest run defense that they would see all season, and they just made it look like child's play. And you got to talk what adjustments Mike Tomlin made, some of the zone-blocking scheme. They looked, like, alive, man. I just it, And the one-two punch, going away from the whole bell cow thing, like – a lot of people talk about that he's set in his ways, that he's uh, incapable of changing things up. Yeah, everybody wanted to fire Matt Canada, which I still don't know that he has a, any job security whatsoever, and I won't defend him one bit. Uh, yeah, Canada's a Canada's a it's a tough deal. Try, yeah. try, trying to pick a side of that situation right now. Yeah, it it, it really is. And uh, Matt Canada, of course, is our uh, next topic of discussion here because. I, there's good and there's bad, as we could always say, when it comes to the play calling. The actual plays themselves, for the most part, everything was pretty fluid and solid. George Pickens, you got to keep your feet in bounds, dude. His, I won't say as much as Deontay making what was a pinpoint precision pass to him in his hands. 
just couldn't get the second foot down. All right, man. I mean, we're expecting I know. when the ref calls it so fast like that too, the ref was like confidently doing like, that's a catch. And I was like, Oh, nice, man. I didn't think it was. And then they show the replay. And I'm like, no, I was, I was right. It's not <laughs> the ref got me all excited. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame, isn't it? And, um, you know, I, we got to give, uh, hold on. I got to go back to the, I'm, I'm finding things as I go along. And this one was from the Steelers social media team with uh, SpongeBob and Patrick. Look at that the stat. Ravens defense is not a lot of TD at home in the last 15 quarters. It was the longest streak in the NFL since the 2005 uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, that was the Super Bowl team, I believe. That Bears team with like Rex Grossman, if I'm thinking correctly. So, what year was it? 2006? 2005. Yeah, somewhere uh, in there. Yeah, because it was the 05 season. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds right. That sounds right. Gets the Colts. So, um, anyways, uh, where was I at? We were talking about this. You, me, Brian, off and on. We were talking about how Lev Bell being wide receiver two as a running back was one of the missing key contributing components to this offense. And guess what? Guess what happens, man? Najee Harris, game-winning touchdown off of a pass, extended play, beats Roquan Smith. Just uh, unbelievable stuff. And I was like, I was... Pounding my fist at a few of these plays because I'm like, hey, find so-and-so, find so-and-so, find this and that. So Matt Canada, but I have to go through the game book when it comes to Matt Canada on one specific deal here. And I know Mark Caballi had also pointed this out, but we yell about this, right? They had incomplete pass for Deontay Johnson, first and 10 from the Baltimore 12, okay? This was after converting a third and one. Kenny lays out. Najee gives him a little... Uh, I don't know, man. He was getting a little bit too close. Oh, that was so funny, dude. I never seen that. He picked him up and dropped him down like his own little kid. He was like, "All right, no, go this way." Then <laughs> boom, first down. It, it was hilarious. He looked maybe, like maybe not as funny if it wouldn't have worked, but in the moment, I was laughing. He looked like I thought he was about to dry hump him, like he was getting in position, just grabbing him <laughs> like around the hips. I'm like, you know, the old Shar Mendenhall. Yeah, woo, a little little poke there. Uh, Najee, excited to see me, buddy. Um. You're gonna I, I think Canada <laughs> deserves a little bit of credit, but also listen to how we're talking though. It's like Najee's playing so good now. Kenny's getting it, like the line's gelling. I think it's a little bit to do with the the players themselves rising to the occasion as well. And unfortunately for Canada, that that's nothing he can control. But I'm very aware of that when, when when talking about oh Canada's not doing so bad now all of a sudden. Well, it definitely helps that the players he's coaching seem to be rising their level of of play it, it seemingly at the same time yeah i mean chris boswell misses a field goal you didn't execute in certain spots so uh, the other team's capable of playing good football has a solid defense a lot of those things are contributing factors too to where i just can't dump on like i said george pickens needs to know where the boundary lines are because that was a hell of a throw and, and you know oh my goodness his one catch too what was that third and like 14 or whatever yeah and Najee just, with and using Najee in the past game, like yeah. uh, we're big Kenny guys. Uh, I'm 100 sure of that. But like, how much of him not being involved in the past game throughout the early parts of the season? Like, was that like Kenny just trying to not check down to him, trying not to use him, or was it Canada just not scheming up plays enough for him being a high enough checkpoint in Kenny's reads? Because if Najee's going to be like the third or fourth read, I can see like not going to him. But if they switched it up and made him like a higher read, you know. Yeah, no, I know. I've got, I've got it for you though. I've got, I've got it for you. I know. I, and I see it 
and I know why the running backs have not been involved, including Jalen Warren. Pass protection. Offensive line. As much as you want to say, pass protection. Chooks Okorafor did not have a good game yesterday. He was getting yeah. beat like a revolving door. And you, you would notice Jalen Warren or even Najee, but a lot of times it's Warren that's in there. I think Warren's an even better blocker than what Najee is. They're both willing. Uh, would chip on that right side of the line. Usually it's the left side or, you know, they're, they're so out of necessity. You know, they wouldn't have been out for many routes. Correct. Correct. You can't squeak out a whole lot. Whereas when Baltimore's kind of laying back a little bit, maybe not bringing as much pressure later in that game. Hey, we got to force the rookie quarterback to go down the field, make a play. Steelers need a touchdown to win. Uh, now you don't need that extra body. And that's a lot of times why you don't see Zach Gentry or, uh, even Friar Muth might be a little slower to develop because if you have to chip somebody, that's yeah. going to take. You're, they're talking about quick releases and stuff that takes a guy out of a play sometimes entirely, let alone like maybe for a second or two that may give these fast players on the other t- other side the speed game a little that's bit of a good advantage. Point. I mean, Pierre Paul almost had Kenny for the sack on on the touchdown play, and then Kenny shrugged him off like constructive criticism. It was beautiful. But it, anyway, he, he did get there almost right away. I think that was Dan Moore that he beat, if I'm not mistaken. And Pierre Paul's like an old dude, you know? And yeah. I, I'm not trying to, you know, Wiley veteran. <laughs> What's up? Wiley veteran, though. He knows how to beat somebody like of, of a lesser, what do you say, experience or talent? Level oh, yeah, like yeah. No, he's still, sure. when I saw that he went there, I was kind of like bombed. That's a typical Ravens move. They love signing those like veterans that got a little bit left in the tank. But I think if Pierre Paul... <laughs> had all his fingers he might have grabbed kenny's jersey and pulled him down because he grabbed with the hand that's missing like two so you think about that not to take anything away from kenny you know it's a great play incredible play but uh <laughs> paul might have had all five of his digits he might have grabbed them all the way down oh man rotten rotten jumping back though Go Get, back and look at that and tell me you don't have that thought. Just I, try, I, try to zoom in on his hand. I, I had a thought, and we'll talk about it with the Steelers defense later. Remind me about number 34 because there was something that – there was a few times where you watch – I know you do just the same as I do. You watch these games, and you could you know what's coming. And there was like a third one, I want to say, with the Steelers. And I'm like, okay, is Derek Watt out there? Oh, that was nice design. Like, yeah, and they keep finding ways to do those sh- small, short, like little fullback counters that just gain a yard or two. He's, he plows through for two or three, actually. He was going like in motion, ball. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'll be back next year. Don't bitch about whatever he gets paid. Steelers, first and 10 from the Baltimore 12, incomplete pass intended for Deontay Johnson. Second and 10, and I know a lot of people would get upset about this, but Najee Harris, two-yard run forcing the Baltimore Ravens to use their final timeout because the Steelers are going to use two downs regardless in this situation now. And there is also the possibility that they get down to like the the two-yard line or whatever and still gain another first down even if they're short of the goal line. So they they had some opportunities there, but it didn't matter because Najee ends up extending this uh, uh, third down play for the game winner here. That was genius, though. Baltimore was left without... Any timeouts. Mike Tomlin didn't panic at all about the clock. He was letting it tick, tick, tick. We're going to talk a little bit about some officiating things (laughs) that drove me crazy at the end of the first half that this game shouldn't have probably gotten into this specific mode to begin with. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, I want to say, I don't want to say necessarily completely flawless game. The Steelers had their myriad of penalties that were shooting themselves in the foot, but 
as far as Matt Canada is concerned, that one I think he should get some credit for. Even if it was uh, even if it was Mike Tomlin running there, took a lot of guts, and they'd been running the ball very well. So why the hell not? So now I want to jump on to we talked about the Steelers run game. It's all the way at the bottom here. We're probably not going to talk about it that much more anyways now, but the Steelers defense and the officiating are going to go almost kind of hand in hand here. Uh, there was a play where I deed where Terrell Edmonds was on the field. And I was looking at number 89, Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews is like at the bottom of the screen. So he's on the right side of the formation. Terrell Edmonds is opposite playing off the line of scrimmage, of course, in the defensive backfield. I said, oh, man, I hope this ball doesn't go to Mark Andrews. Who else can be a safety blanket for someone like uh, Snoop Huntley and uh, Isaiah Likely? And this was said on the broadcast, too. Comes down with this ball, and Baltimore probably puts another three up with Justin Tucker's leg instead of being a potential field goal attempt where his dude could kick it from anywhere on the field. You end up with Baltimore punting the ball back. I, I was constantly worried throughout this game about whether or not Baltimore was going to get the ball and it be the last time somebody touches the football and they just run out the clock. And to yeah. much the Steelers' defense and their credit, they showed up and they showed up big time, brother. Um, the one, uh, w- one of these uh, plays, I'm trying to think. That was the one. That was that was a three and out. In the fourth quarter, this was after Chris Boswell kicked a 33-yard field goal. You're holding your breath a little bit. Uh, Steelers force a three and out. J.K. Dobbins loses two yards. Two incomplete passes from Huntley. The one That one with uh, Terrell Edmonds breaking up the pass to Isaiah Likely, the tight end. And the Steelers end up with their ball on their own eight-yard line. They're not really able to materialize much of anything on this one. Kenny Pickett takes a pretty bad sack. Boy, the field sucked, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that early play when he like went down, like he's him and Najee like clicked heels and he mm-hmm. fell down. That was one of the ugliest sights I ever seen. Yeah, and Harbaugh is one to always complain about the field in Pittsburgh, the surface. What'd they do? Run the sprinklers there or something? There were guys slipping and sliding all over the grass there at MT Bank yesterday. So uh yeah, the Steelers end up punting the ball back at 632 remaining in the game. And I'm like, okay, defense, let's see what you got. Uh short pass from Huntley to Mark Andrews. Four yard game. No one else, literally. Yes. J.K. Dobbins, four yards. Uh it's third and two. And Dobbins gets absolutely crushed. Cam Hayward breaking through, but how about number 93, Mark Robinson, and I saw from the very first play, I knew there was still something wrong with Miles Jack. I got to look at in the game book and see if Jack really even played much, but it was Mark Robinson and Robert Spillane. I know, man. They were killing it. Big, big boss Spillane shutting me the fuck up, dude. I, <laughs> I mean, we were playing the Ravens who like run the ball a lot, but like, I won't take anything away though from Spillane. It was a great game on his part. He had Collinsworth going on and on about him for like a 10 minute period. He looked cool with the black visor. Um, that's, that's Spillane at his peak, man, playing a run heavy team. He can be a good player for you. It's kind of a specific scenario. It doesn't happen a lot in today's NFL, but against the Ravens, Spillane can shine, which coincidentally is uh, his famous pick six. He got versus, uh, that was versus the Ravens uh, two years ago or whenever mm-hmm. that was. Yeah. But I was so psyched to see Robinson on the field, more importantly, because he, he'd been a name that 
uh, whether you know ball or not, fans have been like kind of bringing up for the past few weeks. Like, why don't we just see this guy on the field? Why doesn't he get out there? Because there, there's you can't see everything as a fan. We don't know how every practice session is going. We don't know how guys are, whether or not they're getting the playbook or not. But it all signs pointed to, man, this kid can help with something, at least with run defense, because he did have such a good preseason. And he has been popping off on tape whenever we get the chance to actually see him. He loves to come downhill, very physical tackler. His instincts seem pretty good. He's always in the right hole whenever he's out there. That's what she said. And he just, he has a demeanor about him that the rest of the defense seems to um, enjoy, you know, from what I could gather the rest of the linebacking core, whenever Robinson would make a play was right there, dapping him up, slapping him on the head. I, I was really uh, excited about what I was seeing from Mark Robinson um, in the limited time that he was given. And Cam Hayward continues to have his monstrous uh, second half of the season, regardless of that call or not, he came through in a big way for us yesterday. And, Without him, the defense is night and day different. So that's not telling anybody anything new. Everybody knows Cam Hayward is legit. But last night was just another feather in his cap, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cam Hayward, well, we're going to get to that because the last topic is going to be talking about the officiating. But just to stay on, Robert Spillane, man, plays the entire game in 52 defensive plays. Usually that's reserved for only... Defensive backs, usually the safeties. They didn't even use, I mean, Mika came out a few plays. Edmonds came out several plays, uh, a couple plays there too. Alex Highsmith plays the entire game as well. And Mark Robinson outsnaps 26 defensive plays, outsnaps Miles Jack and Devin Bush combined for six and five for a combined 11 snaps. Almost now, I wanted it. to see him. I, I wanted to see him on the field, but that's a bit extreme, it sounds like. Yeah. like so, that makes you think something has to be wrong with Jack and Bush, if not one or not both of them, because I, I was excited to see Robinson out there, but that's quite the um, – they really tossed him in the deep end, huh? Well, they weren't worried about getting beat in a pass game with those two. That's as a good far point. As yeah. pass game and pass assignments, I can't speak for how much uh, lateral speed or anything that Mark Robinson has – but it sure as hell should tip the cap as to where the Steelers are going to go in the draft. They're still looking for their Ryan Shazier replacement. And uh, Miles Jack has not been a three-down backer this year. Um, Devin Bush, I don't know that he has a future with the team. Mark Robinson, boy, he put, a st- he, he put some statement stuff out there. For a guy that was playing running back two years ago, had like one year in college as a linebacker and looks like a missile coming through the line. There was another play. Got it on my phone. I should have it here. Try and look it up. Uh, see if I could find the image, but there was a holding call that, Oh, I do have it, dude. I'm going to pull this sucker up if I can. Um, there was a non call on a hold. I should say, and it was with Robinson. It was one of these J.K. Dobbins plays that mm-hmm. if you take a good look at this as best you can, Robinson gets spun around like a top. He's completely bear hugged, held around the top of his head, etc. Oh, yeah, you can't even see his jersey number because the dude's hand is on the 9-3. Yeah, he's got him so wrapped up. I was livid. This is going into our next topic, of course which will be officiating 
<laughs> because, oh, you know what? I, I have to interrupt politely, but yeah. you said that that might have tipped their hands in the draft um, slash free agency because uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Tremaine Edmonds is going to be a free agent from Buffalo. And it's no secret the Steelers love those bloodlines. I don't know, no, I don't know if we're going to have Terrell or not after this year. I mean, I hope he stays, but I think um, other Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Buffalo, he might be one of their white whales this year, and they might sniff around him a little bit. Don't know if they'll be able to bring him in, but I do agree that the way this year went, I, I think there will be some sort of new linebacker in town. Uh, next year because unfortunately Bush and Jack I, I think they're solid and I'm still open to the idea I mean Bush or Jack is signed for next year I'm, I, I'm open to the idea of Bush possibly coming back on a cheap deal they're just so painfully average you know we have no playmaking at that spot yeah you know, that's why Robinson was so exciting to watch yesterday from a perspective of like oh he's popping dudes he's he's, he's really flying around out there he didn't like do anything out of this world special but <laughs> it was a level above what we've seen all year. So I think uh, you're spot on that they're going to look to do something in that room. You know, how, how Mike Tomlin is it of Mike Tomlin to find a guy? They do this all the damn time. Guys that are like athletes and they identify, nah, you'd be much better at this position. And I know Robinson was playing some linebacker in college. Uh, just for like, one year, though. Yeah, I know. And Zach Gentry was a quarterback in college. They converted yeah. to tight end. And they find them, and they continue to develop them into pretty solid contributing pro players. This happened with Rosie Nix as a fullback. He was a nose tackle. Uh, yeah. Totally undersized. Play no, play that position uh, at the NFL level. And uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who played like four different positions. Nobody knew quite where to put him. They just knew he was a mountain of a man. That's what Tomlin likes as well. Uh, you know, he likes his Andre the Giant type guys, you know, um, <laughs> Zach Banner. Uh, there's probably some other countless. If you can find Large somebody. physical presences. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Zach Gentry's not exactly small either. What is he, like 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, I mean. Uh, I think he's 6'9", dude. dude. He's 6'9"? Nice. Um, that's great. That's a great <laughs> question, though. Like I, I may be. It's like a fish story with Zach Gentry's <laughs> height, dude. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. <laughs> I, you know, I got to look it up because it will bug the hell out of me if I don't end up finding it. Uh, six, eight. Yeah. Six, eight, two sixty five. Oh, I mean, cool. okay. Imagine that dude is a quarterback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you talk about people are worried about like Kenny and they're like, cause you know, he's still evasive enough. I know he's not like Ben where you hit him and it's like hitting a brick wall. It's like the rough and tumble games I was talking about with the brick wall. That's like playing with Ben. Uh, you yeah. just bounce off him. Like he's wearing a rubber suit. Kenny might not be that way, but Zach Gentry, like that would be like maybe not Kenny's, the most Kenny's more sneaky, like like Ken Stabler, you know, like he might not bounce dudes off him, but he gets around dudes and shrugs guys off in a very uh, evasive way. His his escapability is is one of his best parts of his game right now as a young quarterback. It's a big part of why it's he's been able to have success in this early part of his career because sometimes whether he's breaking the pocket too early or not. Um, that's where he has a lot of his success is after the play kind of goes out of structure a bit, which you can, Josh Allen was very similar to that. Very, very similar to that. Uh, his rookie year where he, um, one of his best attributes was his escape ability, his break tackle ability, his ability to make plays out of nothing after he has to leave the pocket. And a lot of critics said, you know, he's leaving the pocket too early. He's got to fix that. Sometimes there's a throw already in there. 
So uh, Kenny's kind of doing the same thing where he doesn't always have to leave the pocket, but when he does, it's usually a good thing. So they can they can work with him and get him to be more comfortable in the pocket. It's not a thing I'm necessarily worried about, but yeah, it reminds me of kind of like, you know, Kenny, Kenny Stabler or, or Jake Plummer, you know, not the biggest guys, but like still very good at avoiding uh, the rush and breaking, breaking the pocket. Great hair on all three guys. <laughs> the similarities are there. Oh, I can't speak for hair. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Speak for both of us. There was a number of just what in the hell were the referees doing yesterday? We were talking about that. We were talking about this. It seemed like, and I've said this before, I don't like to cry about officiating necessarily, but this was one that I felt like a number of these calls were game critical and could have seen it go the other way. Of course, this was one, and I know a still photo doesn't do everything justice. Go find it somewhere or else YouTube flags us for copyright infringement. Yeah. Um, but if you were able to see this live, I mean, he just gets, that, that, that was where the hole opened up completely grabbed and spun Robinson around. There was a lot of different holds that I noticed Cam Hayward getting held, EJ Watt getting held. And it was, I felt like Harbaugh and it wouldn't be beneath either one of them. Uh, of course, the other guy from that university up North also losing two great college games Saturday. Just not one of them had the result I wanted and the other didn't. Uh, with Ohio State losing a court, what a heartbreaker! And then uh, you talk about kickers, college level. It's like I know some people thought a fifty-yarder might be a gimme. Not at the college level. It's not always at the pro level either. But no, yeah. dude, take it from a take it from a gambler. <laughs> college kicking's terrible. Like they they miss all the time if it's like farther than like thirty-five yards. Thirty-five. I mean, when they're trotting somebody out there, it's wearing like eighty-seven as their kicker or ninety-one. That's like, forget about it. Don't even like. Don't you? Don't even. Don't even like. Think that's a gimme. Those are those are the inverse. Like when you talk about number games, and you're like, oh yeah, that's 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 pretty ice cold, man. That that dude's gonna kill it wearing whatever. You know what I mean? Like I don't know about Robinson wearing ninety-three. To be honest, like that one still feels a little Joe Schobert-ish. It's, uh, you know, it's it's not the best. Yeah. It, it could be better, you know. But, but I mean, it's, it's all about how you rock. It, it's an <laughs> awkward looking number for a linebacker. Absolutely, I thought the same thing when Jason Worlds was wearing it. It just doesn't it doesn't pop right. Yeah, yeah, it does. It feels more like a defensive end, defensive lineman. Now, absolutely. Now, TJ could certainly rock uh, ninety. Spillane makes forty-one work, fifty-one, like fifty-five. But a single-digit number on inside linebacker is pretty cool, or a corner. But it, oh it, yeah, that'd be sick, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you've got. I, I like that the NFL opened that up. But like in the college game, I just see somebody coming out with like ninety-eight. I'm like, that's a number nobody wanted. They're like, here you go. Uh, like this guy, he, he probably kicks on the side, like, uh, you know, playing beer pong and, <laughs> and oh yeah, at the oh, yeah. Well, the kickers and punters get kind of screwed at most schools because they give them last choice. That's why you see a lot of them wear those like ugly numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, the, it felt like Harbaugh had a cheat to win mentality. They bent or no like obscure areas within the rules. We've seen their offense for various many years play the Joe Flacco ball where they just throw it deep and hope for a pass interference call. And that's how they moved downfield. They led the league. And I know this isn't like, this is verifiable information. There was a five-year period there. I think even within when they won the Super Bowl 2012, where they were like first in the league, I think three of the five years, second and third in the other two. 
with defense with getting gaining pass interference calls using their offense Tory Smith just even the ball we saw that uh play where they took the safety on purpose in the Super Bowl and oh yeah it I was just, it was his Har- it was yeah. it was Harbaugh's Belichick moment yeah. when he realized oh I found a way to kind of bend the rules and it and it works 90% of the time you just say Joe Flacco just throw it deep I don't care if it's completed like try to angle it out of bounds so it at least isn't picked but just make it catchable and we'll get a penalty off it it was a very frustrating thing to see. And there's a reason why it's a joke to this day that the Ravens were so good at doing that in particular with Joe Flacco. Yeah. I felt like it was just keep doing it until they catch us or make yeah, us stop. Exactly. And you saw Tyler Linderbaum <laughs> be careful over there, man. You bad. Knock over the studio is falling apart. <laughs> the ice bucket. Is that ball signed? Oh yeah, dude. That was a uh, Christmas gift from my mom. Check it out. Oh, there Big you go. Ben. Big Ben. Awesome. I have, you know what? I have that same ball sitting back here uh, with no signatures up here. When I have camera two running, uh, you could see my kicker. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. So uh, awesome. Awesome. The the gift keeps on giving. Anyways, back to uh, the the cheats that are the Harbs. Uh, Linderbaum got tagged with it finally at the end of the game. And I was like, ha ha, like Nelson off the Simpsons. I was that was like, huge. That was a huge penalty, man. Could couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Uh, <laughs> and I just, I the whole first half, I was screaming and yelling at the TV, but nothing felt, I, nothing made me feel more disgusted than the incident with Cam Hayward, where he's he made a tackle. J.K. Dobbins is running the ball. Got guys like looking around, like what the hell just happened here? And he's trying to get off a pile, but he's gotten pulled. I think by maybe Zeitler, his arm. He gets pulled a first time, which causes him to kind of fall on top of everyone as he was originally getting up, and then he gets dragged down from the front of his jersey, and they call a freaking penalty. That is a third down play going to fourth down, and the field goal unit coming out to what might have been the deciding points in this one entirely as Baltimore is able to get a fresh set of downs first down and at the end of the half, get, get score a touchdown. This is the worst call I've seen since Joe Hayden's phantom pass interference call against the saints back in 2018 in new Orleans. And, and that's right up there with like Jesse caught it. Most people will forget this because the Steelers won the game. But if they would have lost the game, this is all you would be talking about. Everyone would be talking about this morning on all the various different shows is what the hell is the guy supposed to do in this situation? Just like those other plays you mentioned, we talked about them to this day. We talk about those plays because they cost us the games in those scenarios, man. The Joe Hayden non-push pass interference, the Jesse caught it game in which he did catch it. That. It's it's stuff like that that you talk about for years. You tell your grandkids about how your team got absolutely screwed by the referees. And it looks so awkward on the replay every single time. How could you think that a human body just like flops like that? It was very clear that he, he didn't fall like on his own, you know? And I saw it on the sideline. Like Minka was pissed and, and Cam and Minka, they weren't fighting. But Minka said something. You can use your imagination to Cam, it seemed like, along the lines of you could just guess. Like, hey, come on, man. We can't afford that. Or, like, use your head, Cam. Like, we got to be bigger than that. Cam was very quick to snap around, turn his head. And his look of, like, dude, I didn't do anything. Like, speaking as from someone who's been accused of doing many things in his life that he hasn't done I, I could see it in Cam's face that he was being genuine with his teammates and like with 
with the officiating, like, listen, dude, I'm getting a bad rap here. I didn't do what they're saying I did, you know? I, I didn't I didn't do an unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, that's specifically, when, when you're accused of, like, because this has happened to me before, If you, like, oh, you were showboating, you were high-stepping, you, you gloated after the play, oh, you shoved this dude, and you didn't actually do it. You feel like you're, like, being pumped. You're like, is this really how it looked? Because I didn't do it. I'm sure a couple, I swear on my life's came out of Cam, I'm sure. So yeah. it just seems so genuine that Cam really didn't think he did anything wrong. That, I mean, from the jump with the awkward body movement, it, it shouldn't have been called, especially in the circumstance of the game in which it was. That's the refs <laughs> making it about themselves, man. That's the, it's the worst part of it is if you're going to throw a flag there, throw, throw two. Throw yeah, offsetting, yeah, let them know. Yeah, unsportsmanlike. If these are if these are the penalties that accumulate toward ejection, then, then okay, throw throw two, offsetting, and you have not impacted the game whatsoever. This one for me was just it was uncalled for. I was screaming and yelling on Twitter. Um, practically dropping out. Sure, man. Oh, I know I wasn't the only one, but I usually don't put anything out there to maybe potential future employers can go back and look at and see on, on my social media. This one I let rip, man. This one I let rip because that was just, I said it was grade A unadulterated bullshit. And that's exactly what it was. I, I That's the worst call I've seen. I'll have to go back year. and give that a like, dude. I actually wasn't on Twitter much <laughs> trying to keep my head clear, but I'll, oh, uh, I'll go back and give that a like. I know I try and completely stay. Uh, I try and stay off of social media during games. Uh, you know, well, I a like game like that. I knew what I was going to see because I didn't think Kenny was doing that much wrong, but the offense was being so like run heavy and there really wasn't a whole lot going through the air. I knew if I pulled up Twitter, it was going to be like, Kenny, this, Kenny, that, oh, you can't get it done. So I just saved myself the mental stress. And then at the end, after we won, then I pulled Twitter up. Yeah. And it, you know what? The Baltimore had the ball. 330 uh left in the first half and they were able to send uh they had a false start dobbins runs for 17 yards five yards four yards he was uh 12 yards then gus edwards gives him a spell two yards mark andrews two uh (laughs) yeah for nine yards player I, i i might not play fantasy football next year we'll see uh a timeout by baltimore a pass um Pass my lost six yards. Isaiah likely timeout third and 16 Dobbins heads up with uh seven yards, but it's going to be fourth and nine from, let me see, doing the quick math. What the 12, the 13 from Baltimore's own 13 with about 11 seconds to go. And this is, and this is the thing that gets me. Well, 22 seconds, I should say was what was on the clock. And at 11, they end up snapping this ball uh, for the kick, but they stopped the clock and the referees basically gave them a free timeout and there wasn't any kind of delay thing or anything. This was, this was a mess because number one, the officials, they need to be on top of this. What is their number job? Number one, because the officials wanted the Ravens to win. I'm never going to say that. <laughs> but 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 perception can be reality, and that looks really bad on the yeah. zebras. It looks really bad on the zebras that you stop the game and allow them to get all their shit together here and give them a fresh set of downs, and now they score a touchdown instead of going for a field goal attempt. And this makes the game ten to three instead of six to three. It's a hand up. I thought we lost at that point. I, I was pretty like upset. I was like, man, at the rate this game's going, like that's going to be the deciding factor of the game. Is that 
penalty in the in that free touchdown they gave him. I didn't even I have like a halftime routine where I try to like decompress and relax for a minute, gather my thoughts. I didn't even move from the couch. I just kind of sat there. I, I'm telling you, um, I was so angry. The dog was waiting to be walked. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta wait till halftime, gotta wait to halftime. And like I just went out there and I was stomping around. Whereas at the end of the game, and you got Kenny Clutch, comeback, picket. We keep adding names to his name. And I told the dog, we're going to go run around the whole freaking neighborhood if they win this game. <laughs> and the dog's doing a little like dance running in circles in the living room. I'm like, I was off the couch. I was I was going nuts. Dog's like, like, I didn't forget what you said, dude. Whole neighborhood. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's go. And we did. I was out there in shorts at midnight. And um, it, it, was, it was some fun stuff, man. Um, Cardiac Kenny. Cardiac. Uh, no, I can't do the cardiac because the Browns had the cardiac kids or whatever. And I just, I'll stay away from that using that term. Oh, I thought um, it was a, a cardiac cats with the bangles or whatever. Everybody uses the cardiac. Cardiac kitties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see what ends up happening with them, man. I don't know. Um, I need T Higgins to go off tonight for one last. He's I my do. last player. I'm down 19. I, I need T Higgins to get 20 points, which is manageable for him in that offense. So we'll see. Well, I'll Won't leave it at that. For the Bengals much more often than that. I'm up like 80 points in the SCU league. So I'm, I'm sitting firm. Thanks. To Must Mike. be nice. Well, I played Mike Evans in one league and not in the other. And that's what made a difference. So like, Oh, yeah. I had no choice. I, I was forced to play Mike Evans and that turned out to be an okay decision. I should. Oh, I love when that happens, dude. Cause I, I get, I get in my way. I get in my own way more than anything else in fantasy. So when a guy is determined to be out for the game to make my decision easier, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was grabbing a coffee, man. I went and got a Dunkin' this morning. Oh, there you go. The big boy. I got the Panera Club thing. I'll run down there every so often and grab a coffee off the membership. But They're pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, but you know what? Actually, that's a good segue uh, to end the show. Uh, my sister-in-law got me this 12 uh, coffees of Christmas. So today is like gingerbread cookie. Yesterday was Santa blend. The gingerbread cookie, they're both pretty solid so far. It's one of these. I'm pretty sure she got it at the Giant Eagle. And, you know. Terry Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, pretty good. So if you see it out there on clearance or something, don't sleep on it. It's like a 12-pack of K-Cups. Uh, pretty good. Sounds there's, good. There's one that's like a butternut rum. Then there's like an eggnog. And I'm like, eh. I'm not a big eggnog a, guy. No, not at all. It might be a pump and dump type thing there. So uh, did you get any pork for New Year's? Any what? Pork. Pork. Oh, pork? Good luck. Uh, did I have any pork on uh -oh. New Year's? No, I don't think I did, actually. I kept it pretty chill on New Year's. I didn't even, like, go out. My girlfriend wanted to go out with her friends for a little bit, so I was like, have fun. Take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Send a postcard. <laughs> with another dude on it. <laughs> All right. That's a bit much. Hey. If it was you, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. And you know what? I, I saw Kenny at the bar. Like, oh, sick. Oh, my God. My my, my cousin saw him at, um, didn't they played the, didn't they play some March Madness games over at uh, PPG this past, uh, past yeah, tournament? Probably. Uh, yeah, I think that's where it was or, or was it ACC tournament or whatever. He was that he was there and took a picture with Kenny um you know nice. and, yeah and it was like i get constantly reminded i'm like you've got such a bromance for that guy but um I, hey fubians are out there sneaking in my dms and my comments and you know uh the, the folks that said you guys 
you guys knew all along. It's almost like you're apologizing or, or at least coming around or, you know, there's a few varieties of it. Like, Hey, I was wrong about this guy. They might have the guy. And then we'll see like a lot of it's people. It's like that meme of the cat. That's like, go oh, stop, stop. Okay. Go on. Right, <laughs> keep going. Exactly. Exactly. So, Hey, I'm not going to extol everything for first year rookie and everything like that. we got to continue to see stuff into year two, but man, does it seem very promising? You're not going to waste the off season with a different quarterback there. You're going to have, you're going to have Kenny there working on his timing and everything. And this season's still not done. You imagine they get in the postseason. And Absolutely. You've, you've got Peter Schrager out there on good morning football saying, does anybody really want to see the Steelers and the Steelers defense right now? Yeah, they say too, with rookies and young players, the more playoff experience you can get them young at a young age, the better. Sounds kind of obvious and stupid, but it really does help accelerate the development process because everything is more intense. Everything means more. Everything is more important with the playoffs it's just a different it's a great learning experience for young guys i mean i think it's helping Najee have such a good end of the season right now because he knows what it takes to get to the playoffs because of last year Fryermuth as well mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right in that assessment steelers defense right now closing thought um overall they have given up let's see 10 they gave up 37 to cincinnati which is by far the most that's the only team they've given up more than 20 points against since the uh since the bye week man and that's just playmakers like t higgins out there yeah dude. 17 uh three games in a row where they give up 16 and then 10 and then 13 and if you take that eight game span right now uh 16.8 16.8 per uh per game and if you want to go uh, one step further with this, if we take just the Cincinnati game out off of a curve, in seven of those eight games, they're only giving up 14 points. And I did not... Uh, we score me. 17, we win. Try, yeah, so and they're capable of doing so. The T. Higgins yeah. comment wasn't lost on me. Uh, I believe he's a free <laughs> agent for next year. He's going to go. He's going to get paid. He's getting a bag somewhere. Oh, yeah. So, he'll, he'll be one of those classics. Someone will pay him to be a one. Yeah. Whether or not I think he's truly talented, whether or not he'll work out as a one is yet to be seen in someone else's offense. But yeah, I can't wait for him to be out of there because he he's a great player. I, I wanted him here. Um, it's easy to say that now, but they're, they're, I have receipts. Like I wrote a whole mock draft, and he was my pick that one year. But he went with the first pick of the second round. So to think we were going to get him at fifty or whatever it was, Claypool's year was kind of. I mean, it wasn't that stupid because he was going anywhere from mid second to early. Um, but, uh, coincidentally right now, the first pick of the second round in 2023 belongs to us. That's right. That's right. Uh, which, which, oh, I don't want to forget this. Well, uh, the dolphins don't have a pick in the first round or whatever. So technically if we have the first pick of the second round, we have the 32nd pick, which ipso facto is basically a first round pick. Are the bears number one now? Uh, I think that's what I saw. Yeah. After ooh, yesterday. Ooh, you know, let's, let's consult with, uh, tankathon one last time. Oh, so much for the last thought. Uh, Houston, I think I, <laughs> I didn't think, want to forget that point. Uh, it looks like Houston might still be in here if this was updated, uh, ah. recently, but that's okay. It's still the second pick. That's still the second, uh, pick, second pick of the first or second pick yeah. of the second round is still pick 30, uh, 33. Yeah. 
33. Okay, yeah, because it'll be 31 in the first round. 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to that. screw with me so bad. Uh, <laughs> just uh, like, come on, Miami, keep your hands off of whatever. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening with them. We got a lot to talk about later. We're going to put a bow on this show. We'll see if it's still Teddy Bridgewater or two against the Jets. Jets defense still isn't any, any slouch there. So uh, they played, man, the Dolphins played just awful yesterday, which, you know, and so did the Jets. So I it wasn't broken. We need the Jets to win, right? We need the Jets to win. Uh, so the playoff scenario that's still continuing is uh, you need the Jets to defeat Miami in Miami. And then you need to have the Bills beat the Patriots, I believe, in Buffalo. And of course, we the got Steelers. This, yeah, I think so. And then the Steelers take care of business against the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to have no cell phone reception at Acrisure Stadium. Uh, on I, I presume it's going to be Sunday. They announced the Saturday game, so they're probably all Sunday at 1 o'clock. So I'm not sure if that came out officially yet or not. But I will verify here, so I'm not giving anybody the wrong uh, the wrong informations. And still says to be determined on Steelers.com. But for all intents and purposes, when you've got two other games and they're all kind of leaning on each other, the NFL for competitive balance. And so one team doesn't get uh, an advantage over another and gets to sit players, the game, they're all going to be played at the same time. And they announced those two Saturday games anyway. So uh, that's kind of, uh, I, I believe it was Tennessee and Jacksonville's one of them. And the other one was Kansas City and Las Vegas Raiders. So, uh, yeah, looking at probably Sunday at one o'clock, we'll see. And it'll be another one of those. Uh, those are fun, man. Uh, as long as it isn't crappy weather, I've been involved in those games where I was up in Cleveland. I mentioned this one where Ryan Fitzpatrick and the jets had to beat the bills, uh, or, or no, I'm sorry. Ryan Fitzpatrick was with the bill or, or with, wait, which team was he? He played with both of them. He was Andy with the Dalton bills at the time. Them, right. Uh, no, it was the, I think it was the jets had to beat the bills, which didn't seem like it was uh, going to be uh, possible. And, and, uh, Fitz magic threw three picks. It might've been the right, last time right, he was in Buffalo right. and, uh, yeah. the Steelers had to win in Cleveland and they were, and that was one of those things where everybody kind of left the game and they were down in the lower levels in Cleveland. And all of a sudden there was like a lot of cheering. Cause we all have our, everybody's got their phones out, everybody. And you see the Steelers bench just kind of turn around. Cause they, they don't know. It hasn't been announced, hasn't been shown in the stadium or anything. And we're saying, you got you made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. And the word got down there. And all of a sudden now you see it spread like yeah. like one of those virus things on a map in the movie. And and it was just like infectious. And me and Brian were talking about that too, trying to hope that Baker Mayfield could have done something with the Browns beating the Ravens that one year. And of course, that bomb, that loser, he didn't do anything, didn't do the Steelers any favors. But hey, Jags did it last year against the Colts. And we shall see. Who the Colts are going to have as a quarterback next year? Probably Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. Probably <laughs> another retread. <clears throat> another retread. So, hey, how do you throw a party in space? Remember that was last week. Oh yeah, yeah. You plan it. Ah, uh, someone got it in the comments. Yeah, uh, the three P's: pizza, pop, and parents. That's how you party. <laughs> so, anyways, folks, don't forget to like, comment subscribe, send us hate mail. No, don't do that. You're happy. It's a victory Monday. We're happy too. We were up real late. We're wired. We're hanging on with just coffee fueling us at this point. Hopefully if you have the, uh, the extended holiday, enjoy it. I know it's observed for a lot of people to have today or have Monday off. So have fun. 
as we always uh, say out there, well, before I say that, my name's Joe Kuzma. His name's Zach Celedonia. We encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. 